What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. You guys can check him out on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Raven Sit Room. Um, And Gabe, we are here breaking down a pretty rough week. I think we took a couple days to try and regather. Uh, Are you feeling any better about this Bengals game after a couple-day break? So I would say yes and no um, because there was a pretty large stretch of this game where the Ravens were right in it. You know, they were, you know, pretty much tied throughout the first half to come out in the second half, take the lead. Um, Bengals come back, take the lead again. The Ravens look like they're having a promising drive. And, and then it's kind of like, it just balloons out of the way or is that, that's not the right word, but like basically like it, one thing leads to another and it's like one little mistake that ends a drive, another little mistake that ends a drive issues on defense. And it goes from a three point lead to a 20 point lead in a real quick hurry. Um, so that went badly, but there, there was some good things that they were doing at times. Um, I just, I just think that the issues that we've seen throughout the season that have been things we've harped on and said, okay, these are problems. They kind of showed up in a big way in this game and it led to them not being able to really have any kind of a comeback in the second half. And it led to the defensive breakdowns that we saw consistently um, in the second half. So definitely a lot of things that need to be fixed. But overall, um, it's just one game. And I think there is room to come back from it. Yeah, you know, I went back and, and rewatched the game and you watch the first half of that game and and like you said, you're not that upset with kind of the overall result of what happened. Um, there were a couple misplays that the Ravens kind of left on the field. I would say OA missed a big sack in one moment that he should have wrapped up on Marquise Brown and 
and Lamar Jackson just barely missed on a throw. There were a couple other, you know, nearly broken up plays. And then that kind of weird stuff just continued to happen in this game. Like the tip pass from Clayus Campbell, yeah. it turned into a completion. Like if that ball isn't tipped, it probably isn't a completion. And then it gets tipped and it is a completion. Um, the bizarre villain away of a hold call on what was barely a hold kind of in this game, the missed, you know, the officiating, the missed pass interference on, on Marquise Brown on his play down the field. That was, that was clearly pass interference by kind of any stretch in the book. I think, did the Bengals ultimately end up taking any penalties in this game at all whatsoever? I think they took one penalty. It was pretty late. Um, I have to go back and look at the box score, but I think there was only one penalty the entire time, the five yard. Yeah, they took a one. They took one penalty for five yards in the yeah. entire entirety of this game. And, and what what felt odd about that was, you know, you, you see these games where you don't see a lot of penalties called, but like the penalties called against Baltimore were huge. I mean, yeah. you had the one big Lamar run for a touchdown, first down. You had another Lamar run that got called back on a different hold that wasn't for a first down, but it was it was on like a first and 20, I think, or or a, a second and 20 or a second and long or some some bizarre kind of sequence or maybe even third and long to be in fourth down range. I just can't remember off the top of my head right now, but that one came back. So all those penalties were hugely significant against Baltimore. Um, and then Cincinnati doesn't draw a single penalty the entire game. So it just... There was just something off about this week, it felt like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's like kind of a, a game where they felt like they had done, you know, the Kingslayer thing. They, be, they beat the Chargers, who were like the talk of the town. Like, they felt like they didn't have anything going wrong. And basically, that was a game where everything went right for them, you know? And then this game is kind of the exact opposite, where it's a struggle from the beginning. They get back into it, but then all the things that all the little things that you need to do to win a game, they didn't do. Um, and it, it definitely spiraled out of control. Um, I think players stopped giving effort. Um, they're probably somewhere at the end of the third quarter. Um, they just look like they weren't in it mentally. Um, and you know, that's, there's a, there's a lot of blame to go around. Some of it probably goes to the coaching staff. You know, I think we'll talk a little bit about that, both in the game plan, um, in game adjustments, trying to just figure some things out, but it just, I don't know. This was a game that overall I'd, I'd like to think is a kind of a wake up call. Like you can't coast in the NFL. Um, the Bengals are a good team. They're not like the team that they were able to whoop up on last year. This is a much improved team. Um, I think Joe Burrow is one of the best graded quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Um, and, and he showed it, he, he did a lot of really nice things in this game. And, and, you know, the Ravens can't take this kind of a game for granted as, as a win, you know, a home game against a divisional foe that hasn't been very good recently. Well, they, they just came in and kicked the Ravens butts. Um, and I think that this is hopefully a wake up call. You know, I don't think the Ravens are a team devoid of talent, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball, but they need to, you know, look deep inside and figure out who, what this defense defensive team is moving forward, because it's been super up and down this year and, and they need to be more consistent. You know, what's really interesting about this year's Ravens defense is that for the first time, I mean, I guess not so much the last two years either, but the Ravens defense no longer needs to be the aggressor, so to speak. I think historically until Lamar Jackson came to town, the Ravens defense always had to be the aggressor. They always had to be the thing carrying the team. There was a lot of pressure for kind of impact, high level turnover plays, whatever you want to call them in the process of what we got from this defense. 
that's not what we need right now. I mean, we almost, I, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, like, I don't know, we need like a Joe Barry type, right? That is just going to like, you know, or you know what we actually need is we need a DPs type, which is, is very bend, don't break, like going to keep the play in front of you in between the 20s. And outside of that, going to gonna dial up pressure occasionally, but going to make it really tough to score against this team in the red zone. And so, you know, I, I hope that we see a little bit of an adjustment from Wink to be able to make, to, to be able to recognize, A, Marcus Peters makes his defensive philosophy work. Right. Yeah. Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters aren't the same guy. The way they play is the primary cornerback and the way they play in those reads and set those things up. You need a guy like Marlon Humphrey being what you get from Anthony Avery right now. And you need a guy like Marcus Peters being what they're asking Marlon Humphrey to do right now. And, and they need to recognize that and either adjust how they're approaching it from that perspective or they need to completely kind of just rework the defense a little bit. I think take their foot off the gas a little bit, make teams beat them, stay in their lanes, like going into like a basic quarters type off like defense that we see from DMPs where you really make teams work to beat you. I I don't think that that would be harmful to this Ravens team at all. Yeah. I I think they can definitely try to overcomplicate things at times. Um, There were some instances in this game where I feel like the Ravens are trying to be too cute. Um, with their with their defense, or, or maybe try to overcomplicate it. They have seven eight guys around the line of scrimmage, um, and then they're all dropping into like their their zones or whatever. But a lot of times they're in ineffective places. Like you only have like four guys actually getting after the passer. You have three guys who are kind of still close to the line of scrimmage. Like what are they doing? There's a couple instances where that worked because they were manning up on like leak out kind of. Um, guys who stayed in to, to block and then they leaked out to be like a, uh, you know, like an escape pass or, or whatever, hot read for their quarterback. But in some instances, they had, were dropping four guys into coverage and, and, and the Bengals had like, you know, five, you know, four guys running routes. And that's it, like almost impossible to cover, um, especially in like a man situation. Um, it's just really challenging to do that, especially if they have good route combos. It's just, they were just, I don't know. I, I felt like the game plan from the defensive side was poor. Um, they didn't make any adjustments to what the Bengals were doing. Uh, they, they should have done a lot more zone. I think um, there was way too much man, especially after the Bengals and, and Burrow was, was picking it apart pretty, pretty cleanly. You know, uh, Jamar Chase was having a, his day against Marlon Humphrey. Um, they were giving the Bengals receivers free releases off the line of scrimmage every single play. I don't understand why they didn't jam at all, um, especially when you're trying to, you know, get some pressure. They didn't give the pressure time to get to the quarterback to affect the play. And then because they were giving free releases, they had open, like, non-contested, like, throws. It was it was just, like, over and over again, the same thing. And then combine that with a couple of blown assignments in the back end and then the lack of tackling, it was just – a recipe for disaster. And that's, that's exactly what we saw. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with all of that. I think that, you know, the other thing I would point one is I think the adjustments need to come faster for this Ravens team. Like, Definitely. like I think it's stubbornness. I think it's arrogance. Call it what you want from the coaching staff. The adjustments just have to come faster because they used to be on balance. This team will be less talented because they have $39 million of the salary cap on the injured reserve. And that is not a criticism of Eric DaCosta. That is not a criticism of John Harbaugh or anybody else on this team. They have a talent deficit because 
of who has been hurt this year. That's nobody's fault. Um, they need to adjust faster as a result of that. And I think that they can. And I think if they do, they'll be much better off. And they need to they need to start adjusting before the other teams adjust to them sometimes, too. I think that, you know, we saw that, you know, Greg in the Detroit game, Greg Roman had a great first half and then didn't adjust what he did in the second half, even once Detroit did and wasn't able to be as effective. So, look, there, there's plenty of time these two weeks to really clean things up, to really get back to basics, to figure out. I think the Ravens, and I've been saying this, the last two years could stand for some simplification. Just, just do the things that you know that you can do well um, and leave your talent to be your talent, which is Lamar Jackson. And don't worry about trying to like over scheme everything because it's just not there, but you know, the Ravens are going to do whatever they want to do on that. Uh, The other thing I'd add to that is you said this to me, I think right after the game, the Ravens have a stinker of a game every year. (laughs) It happened even in 2019. There are in that Cleveland game where they just, they just, lose badly to a team that they shouldn't. Um, And if that's going to be the case and that's what happened this week, I can live with it. I think that it's a trap game a little bit in the sense that they were just coming off the chargers. They're going into the bye. They're feeling good about themselves. That King of the Hill concept you said. So, you know, I I think I'm willing to look past all of that. If you took these two games and, and this Bengals game happened in week six and the Chargers game happened in week seven. Everybody would be lauding the Ravens for how they bounce back from what happened in this Charger in the charge or yeah. in the Bengals game. So we'll see what happens against the, after the bye. Ravens are fantastic after the bye. You know, I, I don't want to kind of I don't want to beat a dead horse in the bigger picture of, of where we think this team can go because sometimes that stuff happens. But that being said, there's some lower level stuff that really needs a closer look. And I think it starts immediately with the offensive line and it begs the question, what are the Ravens going to do now that Patrick McCarry is injured? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, because I think that was also one of the turning points in this game was when McCarry went out, it seemed like the offensive line really fell apart. Um, Tyree Phillips is not a right tackle. He's, he's, I mean, I think he can play fine interior. Um, but he's not a tackle in the NFL. Um, we saw that experiment last year when they were rotating between him and Fluker. It didn't work then. It's still not working. Um, it, I know that there aren't other options, unfortunately. Um, I think you have to explore whatever is out there, whether that's a trade. Um, you know, I've seen Morgan Moses, his name floated around. He's on a, a Jets team that's not going anywhere fast. Um, he has a reasonable contract. Wait, but who's going to protect Joe Flacco? <laughs> um, you know, they're going to have to figure that out, I guess. Um, I mean, if, if, if I was the Jets, though, I would want to be trying to move Moses. Um, he's someone who's been around the league. He's performed well. Um, that's... Wait, why did they give a draft pick up for Joe? They gave a, a sixth conditional no fifth up for Joe Flacco. Like, And I love Joe Flacco. I have a Joe Flacco jersey. He's my boy. What? <laughs> I I mean that's not a decision that I would have made certainly. Um, so it makes me think they're not going to trade Moses. That's that's my context yeah, there. Yeah, that could be true, but maybe they need to recoup some some trade value. Um, I I don't know. I I don't see the point of. I mean, maybe they just want to like not be an embarrassment because um, they don't have a backup quarterback essentially. Um, so they they need someone to come in and step in. So I don't I don't know what what's going on in New York. Um. The Ravens brought in Cedric Gabui. Um, you know, he's been around for a while. I think he was just recently released. Um, I think you could potentially get him in for cheap. 
Um, obviously, the Ravens would probably want him to start pretty much right away. I, I don't know if, if they would sign him, if they have signed him. They haven't signed him that I'm aware of. They brought him for a workout. So that could be an option. Right now, they just need somebody who's an NFL caliber player. Um, because what happens if, you know, Phillips gets hurt? What happens if Villanova gets hurt? Like, there needs to be someone who can at least, if, if not a starter, like someone who can fill in um, because they don't even have that right now. Um, it's we we thought this was a weakness heading into the season. That was before Stanley was lost for the year. That was before um, you know, Makari's out with a high ankle sprain. Like this is a position that could potentially derail the entire season if if it's not handled properly. Um, you know, hopefully the Ravens will get Nick Boyle back at some point, um, and he might be able to be someone who can help out both in the run game and in pass blocking. So uh, we'll see where that goes, but. It's, it's just really hard to see the, the path forward with, with the current roster construction. Yeah, Boyle and Derek Wolf will both essentially have to be back in the next two games for the Ravens. So there's definitely some sense of optimism there. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with your answer. Personnel-wise, who the heck knows? <laughs> like, hopefully they can go find someone that's of good value and they can come in and they can, and they can be a, they can give you what you needed or we're getting from Makari. Maybe Juwan James gets better and healthier at some point in November, uh, miraculously. So, I mean, we're yeah. in late October at this point. So, and the Ravens were talking about him potentially being able to come back. So we're not that far away from, you know, a serious conversation about something like that. Those things are all helpful from personnel wise. I'll make some suggestions from an X and an X's and O's perspective. The Ravens have to start moving the freaking pocket. Like if yeah. you're going to keep guys in to chip and help roll the pocket to the right, slide the protection to the right, let Lamar or left. I don't care which direction you do it, do it, whichever do it both directions, right? Slide the pocket to the right or put Lamar under center and give him some of these genuine boot action looks, right? Like let him roll out, let him, let him move that around. So these guys are not, I mean, right now you're just letting these guys, essentially the reason since he was able to demolish this team is they rushed up the field. They got past Lamar. They knew he would climb the pocket. They literally stopped when they got to the top and instead of trying to bend they turn around and they run back and what did the ravens do they ran right into that you wrote you roll the pocket in either direction regular with any semblance of regularity and you stop that obvious kind of approach from that perspective the other thing is you can add three-step drops the ravens have no quick passing game they have no checks at the line of scrimmage to allow that there was off coverage all day against the cincinnati team and I don't know if it's Lamar not checking or if it's them not having it built into the system, but they need to spend two weeks building it into the system, have a hot read, have a check, make them come to the line of scrimmage. And then if they do throw it over the top. Um, but there, there are plays on both, both of those styles, I think to, to pick up some yards. Or you can do the thing that I've been calling for, for the entire year and run more RPOs. <laughs> that too. That should too. be a, freaking staple of this offense because it's literally worked every single time. Every um, single I time. think they ran two RPOs in this one that I saw. One of them actually was ineffective because it was a just stupid flat route to Mark Andrews with, I don't understand why that was a, a play call. It just didn't make any sense. But on, on those, those RPOs on like a glance route to whether it's, whether it's Boykin, I mean, not, may not Boykin, but like it's been Duvernay at times. It's been Prochet. It's been Hollywood. Uh, we've seen it to Bateman. It's literally open every single time. And, and you know, you can't run that every single play, but, like, you should be doing it six, seven times a game until the defense at least compensates for it, and that should open up something else. Or you have to 
just keep using it until they until they stop it, which they haven't been able to do yet. None of the defenses have been able to stop that. And why yeah. it's not something that they do more frequently, I have no clue. Um, but and they, the, no, go ahead. The Ravens don't need Lamar Jackson to be in a seven-step traditional quarterback drop to let plays develop deep. That's that's the thing that also kind of baffles me about this. Like, let Lamar Jackson be Lamar Jackson. If guys are getting open down the field, he's going to find them. And even if it is, even if it's a three-step drop look, that's an RPO or whatever, whatever that is, and then it's him rolling around, running around, doing his thing at that. Like that's that chaos. There is there is all kinds of fear that it would be struck into defenses if the Ravens just kind of varied it a little bit. So, offensive line is going to be a problem for sure. They've got to get healthy. Um, that would be helpful. Um, and maybe if they can get some reinforcements, but, um, you know, I think we both agree. There are definitely things in the playbook that if the Ravens decide that they want to move to, they can, but I think that also pivots us to the other half of the problem, which is the running game and how awful the running back room is. I mean, I'm not a Latavius Murray fan. I think by the eye test or by the statistical test, he does not pass in a lot of ways, like 3.6 or 3.8 yards per carry, it's below four. doesn't matter what it is. You know, you've got Tyson Williams who has on 33 carries in the year, 5.5 yards per carry, and he gets two carries in this game. Um, the Ravens have got to straighten out what they want to do with the running back room. And I think one of those things is cutting Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. I mean, Bell looks like he's, I mean, I, th- I thought he might bring something, but he just, doesn't have any juice left. Um, he looks so, so, I mean, I thought Devonta Freeman was so, Bill looks like he's <laughs> like running in quicksand. And I don't know if it's because he just doesn't feel comfortable in the system. He, you know, he's always been kind of a, what do you call it? Patient runner who likes to let blocks develop. Um, well, this offensive line is not going to like let <laughs> blocks develop in front of him. If he's not seeing the lane and hitting it like right away, he's going to just lose five yards, which we, we saw on this one. So, He's not the answer. I think, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd be willing to try out um, McCrary at, at this point. Like, just try something. Just bring, you need some speed. You know, last week we talked about DuVernay and, and so, some of, like, the speed that he brought when used, you know, on his jet motions. They got him in, in a couple of, like, you know, there's, like, pop passes, so, like an end around. We did see him use once on an end around in this one. It was a really poorly blocked play. Um, I think that he's someone you should probably be using more frequently. Um, you just have to get some speed in this backfield because, you know, they have speed of wide receiver. Um, the receiving group is, is good. If, if you can have DuVernay out there, um, I mean, maybe you don't even need a running back. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know. Like it, you have one, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. Good point. Um, the Ravens are 28th in the league in rushing. If you subtract out Lamar Jackson's rushing yards. Oh, that's, that's real bad. I mean, you can't just do that, but it's, I mean, their running backs have been pretty much completely any, I mean, obviously completely ineffective. They, they can't do anything. Um, yeah. I, I, if Devonte Freeman and Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray didn't play another snap for this Ravens team this year, you know, they obviously will. And they obviously will have to, I, I it wouldn't upset me, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I mean that in, I mean that in an oddly positive way. I think that there are a lot of solutions that the Ravens can go towards at this running back room, but they need to look in the mirror this, this, the next two weeks and decide what they want to commit to. And, and, and I already said it earlier in this podcast, I've been saying it all year. I've been saying it, Anytime I can simplification in this instance would not be a bad thing. Tyson Williams looked yeah. great in the preseason when things were simpler for him. 
he doesn't seem like he can pick up the playbook at the full depth of what the Ravens put in front of him. The complexity of that and the, all the things they're asking him to do is too much. Don't give him the entire playbook that he has to know. Carve out the 30% that he's good at and only use him for that. And don't put him on the field in those other instances. Um, I think he got out of his element in this game because by the end of it, they were putting him out in plays that weren't in the in his wheelhouse of those. And so he looked really like... and. Look, it's really hard to defend Tyson Williams and say Tyson Williams needs more touches after what, the disaster of a week that we saw him have in this Bengals game. He looked out of place in passing downs. He gave up on that fourth and 15 play where yeah. he runs out of bounds for absolutely no good reason. He wasn't the only guy who had given up at that point in the game, I think. Um, but it's hard to defend him. At the same time, it's not hard to see how much more talent he has in his legs than any other running back for this Ravens team. And they've got to figure out how they want to use that. Or, or yeah, like you said, maybe they just go empty all the time. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe like maybe Nick Boyle will help um, just improve the run blocking. Like, I was, I was watching some of the, the blocks in this game, and, like, they just weren't – I don't know if it was a timing thing or if it was, like, they just didn't know what their responsibilities were, but they were releasing guys too too early. Like they, there was a, there was like a delayed handoff to Bell where there were two two like linemen who went upfield to block, and there was one guy who was completely unblocked, and he just easily made the tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Like it's just they they just were either it's an issue with assignment or it's an issue with timing. Maybe it's an issue with both, but like they just have to get that stuff figured out i mean in theory that's a that's a nice play like that could have worked if it had been blocked correctly but there were you just left one guy who's completely undefended or unblocked and he just easily made that like you can't you can't do that like or when you have jk dobbins or gus edwards to be a tackle there right like I, i think one of the things that made the running game in the chargers game so effective wasn't just that the chargers suck at defending the run which they do. Um, it was also using Makari to down block on the edges and clear out lanes and turn the corner faster. The Ravens several times in this game felt like they were trying to get to the edge when this this Cincinnati defense is much faster than the Chargers defense. When um, they would have been well served to kind of turn it up a little bit sooner. Um, so maybe they get back to that. Maybe they go back and look, 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 go back and look. You have two weeks. Go back and look at the plays that worked over the last seven weeks and rebuild your play sheet and rebuild your playbook around the ones that were working and figure figure out what that looks like. You know, we, we don't watch. We, you know, I think you and I watch the Ravens and watch these games a lot. But these guys know their team. They know what's working. They know it's successful. I think the opportunities are, are there to see some improvement when, you know, when it comes to the running game. Yep. Um, so, I mean, and Greg Roman, he knows how to design running run place. Like I'm not concerned about the, the design. Um, I think there is a little bit of a talent efficiency. Um, clearly I would say at the, you know, at the offensive line and, and at the running back position. So that that's going to be something that they're going to, have to figure out. Um, I mean, we keep mentioning Nick Boyle, hope that helps hope he comes back to being the same player that he was. I wouldn't mind if he takes some snaps from Patrick Ricard because, you know, Ricard can be effective on some plays, but there's a, there's a lot of things that I think Boyle does that Ricard can't really do. There's some like leverage kind of things. Um, he just has a knack for, for knowing how to like combo. Um, and I'm not sure Ricard is at that level yet. Um, he also and, brings a two way threat, you know, the, there's a passing threat to Boyle yeah, that isn't there for yeah, Ricard. Yeah, th- there's a, there's a couple routes that Ricard was running and like, he's just not, he's not a threat. Like he's not someone who's going to be, the defense is going to take seriously. And, and Lamar isn't looking at him either. So like, I, I just don't see the point of having him out there. 
Um, at, on those, if you're going to keep him out there on on a passing down, have him block at least, and, and that's probably Please. not his 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 best ability either in pass blocking. But at least it's better um, than what we've seen, you know, from him as a as a route runner. So, you know, I mean, well, all this is. Oh, go ahead. The Ravens. The real issue is that the Ravens may need Patrick Ricard to actually tackle somebody on defense, though. You know, the running the running game fine, the talent deficiency across the board. But this team, this team cannot tackle a human being, it seems, for their life. And, and it's so bizarre because this has typically not really been a huge problem for the Ravens. And when it has been, they've cleaned it up really quickly. I thought I felt better about going into this game than you did because I thought they turned the corner heading into the Chargers game and kind of cleaned up some of the hero ball, cleaned up some of the run defense. You know, we saw Brandon Williams play a lot better against L.A. than we did in, against Cincinnati here. Um well, who's going to tackle somebody for this Ravens team? I, I don't know. I mean, and I think we, we saw who, who are supposed to be the, some of the most reliable tacklers on the team, the secondary in Humphrey um, and in Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark, they all had a terrible game in this one. The, the tackling was abysmal. You know, we've seen Ravens players running into each other. It's just, I, I don't know if this is something that can be fixed because I feel like it's a mentality. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a desire a, a lot of times. Um, and in some places it's, you know, knowing your role and like assignment football and being in the right place that helps a lot. Um, because if you, if you are in the right position and, you know, understanding what you're expected to do and understanding what the players around you are supposed to be doing, it makes it a lot easier. Um, but on the same breath, like there still has to be some level of like desire when you're trying to tackle somebody. Cause the, the other guy, the offensive player, he is trying to make you miss. Right. So you can't just be complacent. You have to go with, go at him with some, with bad intentions and try to, you know, make him pay for, for trying to pick up yards on you. Like you, you can't just be passive about it. So it's, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how, how it goes the second half of the season. But through seven games, the Ravens are the worst tackling team in the NFL. Um, you know, the, the yards after contact is is disgusting to look at. It's it's just abysmal. You know, the number of missed tackles is 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 really unpleasant. Um, and and you know, they were pretty, kind of bad last year in this area. That was largely the linebackers. Um, this year, it's it's defensive line, it's linebackers, it's secondary, it's everywhere. It's contagious, and it it's it's been really unpleasant to watch. It's so bizarre, too, because like looking back at the Bengals game, so they had 23 meaningful carry, like running carries in this game. And, and some of this, a lot of the tackling has been really bad in the secondary. You were talking about that. But this, this just jumped out at me when I was kind of looking back over the box score. They had 23 carries by running backs. OK, um, the longest carries of those were 67 yards um, on, on two, two carries, you know, a 21 yard carry from uh, Mixon and that 46 yard carry um, from P. Ryan. Right. They actually, on the remaining 21 carries, had less yards than those two long runs. The Ravens absolutely stuffed them when they were called upon to do that. Their short down yardage defense was phenomenal in yep. this game. When when Williams decided he wanted to stuff the run, he was absolutely stuffing the run. And so I don't know if that means that the Ravens need to just let Brandon Williams like we need to accept that he's not going to be able to rush the passer and, and he's going to have to eat a double team from a blocking perspective in almost every instance and just be that run stuffer and let him stay in that role. If they're misusing him the wrong way, I'd have to look at the tape more for what it is. But Brandon Williams, Brandon Williams has to improve. <laughs> if this defense is going to improve, Brandon Williams has to improve. 
Brandon Williams has been one of the worst players on the Ravens defense this year. Um, he's pretty much a nothing as a pass rusher, which we've been saying for years. But this year, his run defense has not been good either. It's been really poor. Um, it, I know that I think last year was contract. I, I can't imagine the Ravens bringing him back unless it's kind of like a vet minimum kind of situation. There was a play in this one where he got literally driven 10 yards backwards and pancaked. Um, I don't know how that's possible. There's another one where he gets pancaked in on kind of like a, a wide zone play and he lands and bounces back up somehow. But like, it's just like, he's not playing with leverage. He's not playing like he, he really cares, honestly. Like it's, he, it just seems like someone who's, who's given up. Um, and he may be hurt. Maybe, maybe he's banged up. He might you know. be. Um, it, I, you know, you can uh, never, you can never, never say he hasn't been on the injury report. Um, so whenever we never know for sure, but he, he doesn't look like he's moving badly, but it could be like a shoulder thing. You never know. Like maybe, maybe he is, and maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but if he's going to play like this, he shouldn't be on the field, frankly. Agreed. That's the bottom line. Like Broderick Washington might as you might as well let Jelly take those snaps at nose and let Broderick Washington take other snaps, do something else. I mean, Derek Wolf coming back will be helpful in being able to rotate and rest some of these guys. I mean, there's some soul searching this defense needs to figure out how they want to do and whether that's tackling, whether that's staying in their assignments, whether that's how they want to approach defending the run, you know, whatever these parts and these pieces are, there is some help coming back. But, um, you know, I think there's, there is a lot of room for growth on the upside for the Ravens here. And there's not a lot of areas where the Ravens could be significantly worse than they have been. I think I would argue they've been pleasantly surprising from a pass rush perspective without blitzing. I think OA and Justin Houston have been really good um, and allow them to, the Ravens, I think, need to lean on them a little bit more. I was disappointed with the number of snaps OA had in this game. I think it was less than 40. I think he needs to be taking 80% of the snaps if they can stand it. Um, and so, you know, there's plenty, there's plenty to, there's plenty to fix and not a long, not a lot for it to go wrong. So I think, I think there's, that leaves a, not a great taste in your mouth, but a case for optimism as we head into the second half of the season. But, you know, it, I was just going to say, I, I think OA is definitely, I agree with you. He sees someone who needs to see an uptake in snaps. Like he's, I mean, he, Houston, have, have, I think played pretty well. Um, they, they've, they haven't been like elite by any stretch of the imagination. Like I thought Justin Houston might've played his best game as a Raven in this past one. You know, he was consistently beating, um, the left tackle. I think Jonah Williams is, is that his name, um, from the Bengals. So, you know, he had a good game. Um, you know, away, I thought he was asked maybe to drop into coverage a little bit too much. I'd like to see him just coming off the edge more frequently. We've seen him make some game changing plays when he's just allowed to, you know, go off the edge. I like to see him unleash a little bit more there um bowser should be the guy who's who's dropping probably more frequently than oa um i know that's generally what he has been doing um but you know bowser is a good player too i think all three of them should be you know features in this defense um but it's i i don't know i mean you have to strike the right balance with them um figure out the best way to use them i think moving forward there's a pretty good balance i think they've done so far but you do want to increase the pass rush i I don't think it's been consistent it hasn't been where you want it to be um a lot of that starts at the outside linebacker position but i've also been really disappointed by the interior pass rush 
Um, you know, I think a lot of people had high expectations for Justin Matabike. He's been pretty quiet. You know, he's had a few pass rushes here and there, but um, nothing too significant. Um, I don't think he has a sack or maybe he has one sack on the season. Like just hasn't really showed up consistently. Um, Campbell has been getting, you know, the tackles for loss. He's been getting pressures. Um, but, you know, the sacks aren't there. So there, there needs to be an improvement there, um, especially if they need to rely on the four-man rush a little bit more. So, you know, I think if there's one place that can just, you know, get better, it's it's a pass rush and a tackling. Like, that's what you need. Um, I think the coverage has been decent enough, although they, they, they struggled at times. Like, this game was, was pretty bad. They just got beat. Um, I don't think they were put in the best position in terms of what they were, they were being asked to do. But it's, um, yeah, it, there needs to be some improvements for sure. Well, the hardest part is what this does when the defense isn't performing is it requires the Lamar Jackson be Superman when they play any game they play in. And so this game is a good example where Lamar Jackson was a little off. Like he missed a couple throws. Um, I mentioned the Marquise Brown throw earlier. Um, he missed a couple throws just on the fingertips of Mark Andrews. You know, I think I think I think Lamar got a little unsettled because of the offensive line play in this game, and then the score, um, and it all just kind of unraveled. And that's going to happen. And this is not the only quarterback that this has ever happened to, let alone, you know, a potentially future Hall of Fame quarterback, this kind of thing happened to. But what it tells us is there is not a lot of room for error when th- this team has the talent deficit that it di- does right now compared to historical seasons. And by historical, I mean the last two. Um, that Lamar doesn't have room to play games like this one. You know, he, look, he, he was, we say he didn't throw the ball well. It was still 8.29 yards per attempt for Lamar overall. You know, it, he had... Oh, beautiful throw to Marquise Brown on that touchdown. Um, so it wasn't all bad, but it does demand perfection in the current iteration and setup that we are seeing uh, from this team right now. And so that's, to me, that's the big question. You know, are we going to get the perfect Lamar? And if we are, then the Ravens will win every single game. If, it, if it's perfect Lamar, they'll win every single game the rest of the season. Um, the question is, can the rest of this team step up when that's not what Lamar's going to do? Yeah, I mean... This this game, Lamar definitely missed some throws, um, but he also had some like really nice throws, like on the move, like stepping up in the pocket. He had a throw to Andrews that was amazing; it was gorgeous. He had another one at Bateman, very similar, um, kind of like coming on these crossers. Um, you know, there were some good you know offensive things that they did in this game. Like you mentioned, the Hollywood Brown deep completion. There was that one that he just missed. I think he, if he had thrown it, you know, a couple yards to the inside, on on that was the second deep shot he missed to Hollywood. That would have been a touchdown. Um, the other one also, he was a little bit off. He squeezed, he threw it a little bit too far to the sideline. And I think that was also a little bit on Hollywood. He got he allowed himself to get squeezed. Um, but you know, just those little things, like there's another one downfield to the Mark Andrews. It just hit off his hand. It was like, just off, like he was just a little bit off. Um, and, but like, that's the margin that the Ravens are playing with, because like you said, he has to be playing at that MVP level in order for them to be winning. They don't have a margin for error. They don't have a running game. He has to do everything on his own. The offensive line isn't giving him any help. Um, the one positive is, you know, the, the Ravens have good receivers this year. Like Bateman has in two games, he's come on and been fantastic. I think he's a difference maker for this team, especially with, with Brown. When they get Watkins back, they're going to have a nice group of wide receivers that, that not a lot of teams in the NFL can can say they have um, that kind of quality depth. 
Um, and then you have Mark Andrews. Like between that tight end and those three receivers, you have the weapons that you can be one of the better offenses, passing offenses in the NFL. And and they've shown that consistently through the first you know part of the season, even without Bateman. So I, I have extremely high expectations, assuming that you know they can figure out some of those little things we're talking about, like the routes that can you know potentially be improved a little bit. Just some of the play calls that are questionable, just like use what's working and, and focus on that. And, and like you said, simplify, like just focus on the things that are working, the comp, the pass routes that you're consistently getting these guys open downfield. There's a, there's a foundation there to be a really successful offense. Um, it just has to be, um, you have to kind of make the proper adjustments in, in game and figure out, you know, if teams are trying to take away something, just make, make, make some small adjustments. And we've seen them do that at times, like in the Indianapolis game, like they, they made those adjustments. They identified what they were trying to do. They're trying to take away. They started doing the short passing. And it worked. Make make those adjustments. That's all I'm asking. At the talents there on offense, Lamar is amazing. It can be really good. Yeah. I, I mean, Rashad Bateman has been phenomenal. Seven catches, I think seven first downs or six first downs. Yeah. You know, obviously the one drop that turned into the interception, that wasn't really, I don't think we all thought it was an interception. Nobody cared at that point in the game. Um, but, you know, he's been phenomenal both in route running, in speed, in hands. I've been I've been really impressed and really happy with what we've seen from him. I think the Ravens have, you know, I, I, I thought I read this somewhere and, you know what, I don't have it in front of me now. But I didn't think that Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, between the two of them had enough snaps in this game. I thought I read something where um, they were significantly lower in the total number of snaps. Now, obviously by the end of the game, there were kind of less guys that were playing, but I want to, I want to see these guys. I want to see Greg Roman up their targets, up their usage, like lean, lean into these guys because that's what you have to do with your stars. You've got to lean into these guys and you've got to let them win and you've got to let them take these games over. That's how you build a stars and scrubs team, which is what you're going to have to do when you pay your quarterback all this money. So um, we see, we're seeing it from the wide receivers. I also thought the inside linebacker play has really improved. Josh Bynes, um, hello, 2019, you know, reestablished that we've seen Patrick queen move to the weak side of more plays and be a lot better when he's playing on the weak side of those plays. I think maybe some of that is just because he over, <laughs> he over pursues when he's on the strong side. So this allows him to get right into the right spot when he's on the weak side. Um, you know, I, I don't think the responsibilities have changed significantly for him. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. They've looked solid enough um, and settled that position. So, you know, maybe that's what the Ravens need to do is just settle some of these positions, settle what they're expecting or asking of certain things to do. You talked about kind of like making sure that if Tyree Phillips is there chipping every single play that he's kind of on the edge and a guy is rushing like Daniel Hunter is rushing against him this upcoming week, whatever that looks like, do do some small things to like tighten up in small spots. Let those things be. Don't ask too much of those spots and let the other guys, and then let your superstars be your superstars on the other side of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you, you nailed it. Um, they have, they have the players to, to do things that are necessary, make, make it easy for them. Don't make it too complicated. Um, they've been, I mean, just came back to Patrick queen. Like when he was first drafted, uh, they drafted him. They drafted Harrison. They immediately said Patrick Queen is the mic, and and they said Harrison is going to be a weak side linebacker. Um, there were I had immediate questions, like just based off of how they kind of profiled in terms of their skill set. It it didn't really make sense for them to play those roles. 
but because of kind of the draft capital, the, um, you know, you want the, at the super athletic, you know, first round pick to be the guy who's on the field for every single down. They kind of put him immediately into this role where he clearly wasn't ready. Um, he was, com- you know, out of his league the entire rookie year. Um, same thing second year. Um, soon th- they had enough and they finally decided to swallow their pride and say, okay, we're going to scale, scale de- back for you. You're not going to play every snap. You're going to start being more of a sub package player. You'll be in, in certain packages. You'll be off the field in certain packages. Everything is kind of been put together. Now that things are simplified for queen. Um, that's the kind of approach you should be taking with every single defensive player you have figure out where they're exceeding, where they're doing a good job. And put those, put them in those positions. You have enough players. You have talent. You have varied skill sets. Use them as they can best be utilized. Don't put them in positions where they're not going to be able to perform. That seems like a pretty simple way of doing things, but it, it's taking a long time to get there. And they finally seem to figure out a linebacker. To stop overcomplicating the pass rush. You know do things a little simpler sometimes. And I think that's going to be effective. I think that's what the Ravens need in order for them to just be more consistent on that side of the ball. Well, look at Yannick Ngakwe, a guy that has been a really effective pass rusher everywhere else he's played and was a total bust of a pass rusher in Baltimore. Now, maybe he was hurt last year. I don't know. I'm attributing all these phantom injuries that we never heard of for players to them, like Brandon Williams and Ngakwe right now, but been a phenomenal pass rusher since he's gone um, to Las Vegas and was, you know, not able to work out in the system. And we kind of heard him make some of the same complaints about what we're talking right now, where he felt like he needed more reps or more approaches in a specific way to do what he wanted to do. And the Ravens square pegged and round hold him and said, no, this is the way we're going to use you. And he said, well, I don't get to set up my moves now. I don't get to rush the passer. Like I've learned to rush the passer. I'm not going to be effective in that role. And then they benched him for a game for it, basically. Um, so, you know, to me, again, we talked about this earlier. I think there's some some swallowing of your pride moments here. Let your best players be your best players. When they don't win, they don't win. And that's going to happen. Like like games like this with Marlon Humphrey are going to happen like we saw this past week. And when that happens, it happens, right? But there are also going to be games and plays where they win. There are going to be sacks that happen in big moments because you're letting guys like Owe and Houston get loose and rush the passer. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna use the we're gonna let Brandon Williams mostly be the run stuffing guy that he needs to be. And maybe occasionally we'll give up a couple big runs, but you know, and we might lose a little bit in the pass rush, but he's gonna be our guy there. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see who this Ravens team is in the second half of the year this year. You know, can this coaching staff and can the approach and can this team a, change how they think to what we're talking about here. And I totally agree with all that you have said in that capacity. I think the other thing is John Harbaugh has got to bring these guys together and say that, like, like, and not that he hasn't done this or not that he's not a good coach. I don't mean that when I say John Harbaugh has got to do this. But this team has got to come together as a team in my book. They've got to be approaching this more as a team game. We don't have... We don't have the talent to be better than the collection of our total parts in this year. What we need is 
the sum of all our parts to be better than the individual collection. I think in past years, it's been a little bit of the other way around. We're going to build a system that really makes our best players better than the other team's players. And we're going to maximize that talent. I think they've got to flip that on their head. And so I I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's that mighty ducks moment where they get back to basics and they're passing the the egg pucks back and forth on the ice (laughs) or whatever that looks like. But I think that if they can flip the switch and turn it around in that regard, both on offense and defense, I think, um, and say that we're going to let our total sum be better than our individual parts. I think this team is you know, going to be able to go just as far as they want to go in this upcoming year. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what a real like, NFL team is, right? Like the best teams, like, I mean, we see that from the Bengals. Not, I'm not trying to say they're a bad team, but if you look at the roster, the Ravens have more defensive talent on their roster than the Bengals have. You know, they, they have a a few nice players. They they were made some smart, you know, free agency moves. But in terms of like, you know, high end talent, they aren't I don't think on paper as good as the Ravens, but they played a much better game than the Ravens did last Sunday. And that that comes from I think coaching, right? Like th- there's definitely something to be said for, you know, getting your guys on the same page, getting them ready to play, um having them you know, trust each other, having them like work together as a, as a unit and not trying to like make just plays for themselves. So I don't know. That's something that we've seen in the past with Ravens teams. I think they've come together really well. You know, they fight for each other. Um, maybe they, maybe they were kind of, you know, on their high horse a little bit going into this game um, and riding high and, and they kind of got knocked down a peg or two or seven. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think that, like I said before, wake up call, clean it up. You have a bye week, get healthy, come back with the with a good game plan against. Um, I don't even know who, who they're they're playing. It's not Chicago. But it was Vikings. So Vikings are a good team. Um, you know they they have a really potent offense. Um, it, it'll that'll be a test. So that, that's going to be a big game for this this Ravens team. They, they traditionally played very well after the bye. So. Um, let's hope that they come out, um, make some of those adjustments we've talked about. Um, hopefully they'll get a couple guys to come back, um, healthier and, you know, they might look like a different team. So, so we'll see, we'll, we'll see. And it's worth pointing out that it's a Mike Zimmer team and Mike Zimmer has historically given the Ravens offense fits at time as a defensive coordinator. He, he and Marvin Lewis always seemed to have a good concept and approach to how they wanted to attack the Ravens offensive game plan. Obviously that's changed some now their defense is not very talented on that side of the ball right now this year. So there's upside there for this team, but yeah, I, I agree with you. The other thing is it's just one it's just one game. You know, we can't let it we can't let the Bengals game look if you wanted to find every season of the Ravens seasons for the last for their history on the worst game that they played in every single one of those years, then you know that's how you want to look at it. If you want to look at it as their best game, you know, go ahead. That's that's basically the Chargers game last week and the Bengals game. All I really want, I just really want this team to play a consistent four quarters. <laughs> like like, yeah. like you said at the start of the third quarter, this Ravens team is winning 17 to 13. Like, like it's not even like this game, like it's insane. And from that point forward in the game, the Bengals beat us 28 to nothing. Like that's wild. Like that is completely unacceptable um, for a Ravens team. And so they've just got to figure, just, 
just get more consistent through the course of an entirety of a game. If they can figure out really the only game they've done that all year this year has been the Chargers game. Do that. And I think that this team is going to be just fine moving forward. But, you know, in that sense, are there, you know, what do you think? What do you think the biggest fix is for the second half of the season? If you could pick one thing that was going to be better in some way in the second half, what, what, what would be your choice? I think it has to be tackling. I, th- I think that's the one thing that you have to improve on or else you're just, it, I mean, we've seen it in this game in particular, miss one or two missed tackles in the wrong place turns up, you know, a five yard completion into an 85 yard touchdown. Um, that can happen. It's happened multiple times this season. Um, I think the Ravens have given up, if not the most, the like the second most explosive plays um, in the NFL. Um, and and that, that stems directly from from that tackling. Um, and that's not something that you can afford to do if you want to, you know, be a consistent team um, that's that's going to, you know, win tight games. So they need to clean that up. That that to me is is the one thing. Um, I will say a close second would probably be improving the offensive line. Those are the two major areas of concern. Yeah, offensive line to me, or or at least game plan to help your offensive line is the big area. I mean, the Ravens have had. For as as good un, good good as their offense has been this year, like this team drives me absolutely bonkers on their three and outs or like picking up a first down on the first play and then going three and out like these like less than like five or six play drives um, for a team that the last two years have sustained all these long drives are just like getting off the field so fast at times, which just doesn't help your defense either. Um, and so figure out what that has to happen to, to kind of clean those parts up. So, you know, I think there's, I think there's upside in all these areas. I think there's, look, there, there's a lot of, we, we've talked about how this team is kind of talent deficit to what it, it was before, but we've got some reinforcements coming back. Wolf, we talked about this earlier. Wolf and Boyle should be playing again. They are not in a talent deficit to the entirety of the league, though. I think that they are right in the mix from an overall talent level to a lot of the other competing teams. Maybe there are a couple teams that you could say just like the Bills have not suffered any really significant injuries. And I think we're equally as talented as the Ravens when the year started, um, you know, Injury bug will probably catch up with them, just like it's going to catch up with the rest of the league eventually. Hopefully the luck regresses a bit for the Ravens, but there's enough here for this team to make a serious playoff run. I fully expect this team to still make the playoffs and and be in pretty good shape in the second half of the season. Yeah, the AFC is pretty tough to handicap right now. You know, I, I would say the Bills are probably at the top, but they have the same record as like what four other teams. Um, you know, the Titans are five and two, the Ravens are five and two, the, the Raiders are five and two. Um, so you know, there's a lot of teams that look like they might be feisty. I mean the Chiefs three and four, you can't count them out. They could I mean they've looked like they've had real issues on defense. I'd rather be in the Ravens position in terms of defensive issues than what the Chiefs have shown. Um, but it's it's definitely you know kind of up for grabs I think the AFC and all it takes is kind of a team to get it together heat up at the right time um, you know I, I mean I didn't even mention uh, Bengals obviously five and two too and then the Browns you know the Browns have had some issues but they have a lot of talent on their roster um, so they've been definitely hit by the injury bug. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how, you know, this division plays out. You know, the, the Steelers have stuck around. They're not a team that I, I think is very good, but they're not awful either. So 
it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this division plays out by itself. And, you know, the Bengals are sitting at the top right now. They're 2-0 in the division. Yeah, and last week, the Ravens were, you know, at the top of the entire conference <laughs> and a full game ahead of everybody. So, you know, a lot can change. It's a week-to-week league. There's plenty to go around here, but, um, you know, obviously big stretch for the Ravens there when they get the Steelers and the and the Browns, you know, twice in a three-week span. So we're going to learn a lot about this team. I think there's a lot of room to be still think that there's room for improvement here. Like you said, I would rather the Ravens be in the position that they are in than some of these other AFC contenders. You know, I think that, I think that Kansas city, as you mentioned, looks like they're totally lost, Um, you know, and, and their defense is just like, I don't see how it gets better. You know, some of these teams and their flaws are, are going to be tough to overcome in a way that I think the Ravens are positioned to overcome theirs a little bit better. So um, I'm hopeful, but uh, we'll see as the season rolls on. Any other second half thoughts from you about the Ravens? You know, I think that's kind of, the biggest issue like those two things we talked about you know getting people healthy i mean there's obviously some people who aren't going to come back but you know they might be getting a couple of guys back that, that can help you mentioned maybe there's a chance that someone like Jawan james makes it in this year we don't know exactly how he's progressing but you know that could be a wild card for, for the ravens if there's a chance that he makes it um but it's, it's really just comes down to lamar uh, like like you said yep. he he is the engine that drives this team um when he's at at his peak performance which we've seen a lot of this year he the ravens are probably going to win it's, it's hard, really hard to stop him when he's you know putting together the the passing attack along with what he can do with his legs it's, it's really gonna be fun to watch i'm looking forward to watching every single game with lamar jackson at quarterback um so obviously you know nine more games i'm, I'm excited 10 more games, <laughs> 17 game season now. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. So it's, it, there, there's going to be, you know, some, some tough tests down the stretch. Um, that stretch where they have uh, Browns, Steelers, Browns, um, that, that's not an easy stretch at all, especially with, with the Browns getting that bye week in between. So it, that's going to probably be the stretch that kind of makes or breaks the season. I'm, I'm going to guess um, they're going to have a chance to really put a stamp on wh- where they are in this division and in the AFC um hopefully you know we don't see more, more injuries between then and now and if they can be healthy and if, if they're playing their best ball i think they'll have a really good chance to to finish strong this year yeah totally agree well um gabe bergerson you guys can check him out he's at gabe fergie i'm jordan co at raven sit room thanks for joining us in the raven situation room tonight and we'll talk to you next week what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.